Tonight's reading comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. That's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Hear the word of the Lord. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in their other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Thanks, Mark. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be uh, good to be with you tonight as we um, look at God's Word and as we um, study it together, as we think through it, and uh, hopefully all of us as well being challenged uh, by what God says to us from this passage. Um, just to let somebody know, um, I don't have a piece of bread up here for communion later. I don't know if that is supposed to be up here or not, but I'm just pointing that out just now. Thanks, Brandon. Um, Oh, good, excellent. Yes. So, um, just to uh, just to start off, uh, former U.S. Senator Alan Simpson, he told a story on himself at one point. One night, he was sitting at the head table of a very fancy dinner, and early in the dinner, he wanted more butter for his bread. There wasn't enough butter on the table, and so he asked the waiter. He said, um, "Excuse me, I, I would like another uh, pat of butter." Uh, for my for my bread, and uh, the waiter uh, the waiter said, "I'm sorry, sir, but there, there's just no more butter. There's not enough to go around for you to have another pat." And the senator said, "Well, excuse me, but I'm a U.S. United States senator." And the waiter looked at him and he says, "Yes, but I hold the butter." You see, the problem was Senator Simpson assumed that he deserved special treatment. He deserved that other pat of butter because he had power. He had connections. He had influence. But he was reminded by the waiter that he did not hold the butter. In Luke 5, Peter and his fellow fishermen had a really bad night of fishing. They caught nothing. You see, they assumed that their skill, their knowledge, their strength, somehow that earned them their living. But after all their work, 
They didn't hold the butter either. They had no fish after a full night of work. And there are points in every one of our lives when our skill, our knowledge, and our strength, they fail us. Maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe it's financial problems. Maybe it's a loss of job. Maybe there's relational breakdown or even persecution or a cultural change that seems to go on all around us that seems insurmountable, overwhelming at times. It's at those points that we need what Peter and the other disciples needed. We need to have our small view of Jesus overturned by his grace and realize that it is Jesus who is Lord, not us. Truly, we don't hold the butter, but he does. God's word, God's grace, His word of grace in our lives overturns our small view of Jesus. And it calls us to follow our Lord. So the big question that we'll be asking over and over again throughout this passage is, how do you see Jesus? And we only have uh, two points tonight, so very simple, straightforward sermon. And the first point that we're going to look at is Jesus, the preaching master. Now, Jesus is well regarded by Simon Peter and by the other disciples. In verse 1, there's a lot of people gathering around Jesus, pressing in on him, is what the passage says. And it becomes very hard for him to teach this crowd because Most teaching in those days was done from a seated position. So if Jesus had sat down at that point, the only people that would have heard him were those that were just immediately around him. And so that the solution came when Jesus said to Peter, can you uh, push out a little from the shore? And you can see it there in verse three, put out a little from the land. And so Jesus was able to then sit on the boat a little bit offshore And everybody in the crowd that was gathered on the shore could hear his teaching. Now, just a little bit earlier, if you know how this story flows together, just one chapter before this, in the end of chapter 4, Jesus had come to Simon's home and healed his mother-in-law. Now, that healing is amazing for a couple of different reasons. First, when Jesus spoke... It says in verse 38 and 39, when he spoke, he rebuked the fever and immediately it left her. But the second thing to note is that immediately she rose and she began to serve the group. Now, you know how fevers work. If you've been sick for a while and you've had a fever, had a fever and it and it breaks, you know, you're relieved. It's good. The fever's gone. But then you're exhausted, right? And it's probably the next day or two before you can start doing anything. And so when you see what Jesus has done here, when he speaks the word, rebukes the fever, it immediately leaves her and she is totally restored, able to serve the group. Now back to our chapter in chapter five, verse three. Now we're not told what Simon thought exactly of Jesus when he was asked to use the boat as a teaching platform. Simon might have felt quite pleased to be able to help Jesus in this way. 
See, Jesus had just healed his mother-in-law. And so it's kind of like someone does a really big favor for you, this big healing of his mother-in-law. And then they ask a little favor, you know, can you, can I get in your boat and use it as a teaching platform? You know, Simon might be thinking, oh, great. Yeah, of course, Jesus, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this little favor for you. You've done this great favor for me. You scratched my back. I'll scratch yours. As we noted, we don't know exactly what was in Simon's mind when he was asked to use the boat as a teaching platform. However, we do know what was in his mind. If you look at verse four, when Jesus says, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Now, Simon did show respect to Jesus. He says, master. But look at what he explains there in verse four. We toiled all night and we took nothing. There's a tone of frustration in his statement. Not probably directed at Jesus, but directed at the circumstances that he had just toiled all night with his friends and they caught nothing. Imagine yourself a long day of work. You've worked hard, but nothing went right. And maybe by the end of the day, you feel the same way as Simon Peter did. You felt like you did nothing. You accomplished nothing. Or maybe you have a difficult relationship in your life. And you find it really hard to maintain. And you've worked hard on this relationship. And then there's been some kind of setback. Or maybe around the home with your family. Moms or dads, you know, you've been looking after everyone. You've been taking care of everyone. Things are ticking along, but then the children or the pets or the spouse cause something to go pear-shaped. Whoever you are, at the end of one of those kinds of days, when everything just seems to go wrong, how do you see Jesus at the end of one of those kind of days? Maybe you pray to Jesus the same way that Simon spoke to him. I've toiled all day, Jesus, and I've accomplished nothing. So we're not too hard on Simon, are we? We can understand a bit of where Simon's at. And he continues, though. Simon continues with these words, verse 4 and 5. But at your word, I will let down the nets. How did Simon see Jesus? I think Luke wants us to think back on what had happened where Jesus earlier rebukes Simon's mother-in-law's fever. And he miraculously heals her. And from that healing, Simon learns something very important about Jesus, that his word is powerful. When he speaks, things happen. So Jesus is worth listening to. And Simon saw Jesus as the master whose word had power. And that's an important view of Jesus. That's a proper view of Jesus. But it doesn't go far enough. You see, Jesus is more than a powerful teacher who does us favors. When you only see Jesus as a powerful teacher who does us favors, 
then you're likely to think of Jesus as doing him a favor in return when you obey him. When you do what he says, you obey him. So, in other words, he scratches my back and I scratch his. And it's that view, brothers and sisters, it's that view that needs to change in our lives. If that's how you view Jesus, that needs to change. And it certainly changes for Simon, who sees Jesus as a powerful master at first, but finally sees him as the holy Lord of all. That's our next point, that Jesus is the holy Lord of all. Jesus proves that he rules over everything. And verse 6 is that turning point in the story for Simon on all the other men who were fishing with him. For James and for John, they have their view of Jesus changed. Now, a couple important facts before we dig in a little further. One about the nets that are being used and another about the time of day that Jesus has asked for Peter to do this. First, the nets in verses six and seven. The nets that they used, uh, that the fishermen used typically in that day were called tremel nets. These are nets, and there's a little diagram uh, behind me, um, nets that had um, floats at the top and weights at the bottom, and they were sort of in three layers. The two outer layers had a wide mesh, so fish could easily go through that wide mesh on the nets. But then in the center of that net, there was a, a fine meshed net. So when the fish, whichever side the fish would be coming from, when the fish went through the big side of the the um, of the wide mesh, they would push through and then when they would get stuck going through to the other side. So if you surrounded a school of fish and they started to push against the net, they'd all get stuck into the net in the various spots. But the other fact to keep in mind here is just to note the time of day when Jesus is asking Peter to let down the nets. He's saying to do this in the daytime. You remember verse five has told us where Simon says, To Jesus, we toiled all night and took nothing. So it's daytime. It's daylight. And a proper professional fisherman of that day would understand that you go fishing at night, especially when nets go down. When you put the nets down, you do it at night. Because otherwise, in the daylight, the fish could see the obstacle in front of them and they'd just swim the other way. They wouldn't go into the net because they could see that there's an obstacle there. They'd turn around and go the other way. So you fish at night. But what happens here in verse 6? As soon as they put the nets down, once the nets are lowered, verse 6 tells us, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. It's an astonishing catch. So much that the nets are just being torn apart almost. And verse 7 says that they signaled to their partners to, from the other boat, so all their other mates to come over and help them. And even then, with the additional boat, they piled in so many fish that the boats, both boats, began to sink. Now that's a big catch. That's a massive catch. And Peter and the other fishermen, they remember, they've, they're fishermen. They've spent their whole lives. This is their livelihood. They know what they're doing. They spent their whole lives fishing. They regularly use their skill and their knowledge and their strength to catch fish. 
And they caught fish at night in the dark. That's when you fish. And fish would enter the nets unaware. However, here Jesus, remember he's what? A trade, a carpenter. Here the carpenter Jesus is telling the fishermen how to fish. But obviously he's not just a carpenter. He's not even just a master anymore. He tells them to let down their nets in the daytime and they have this amazing, astonishing catch. And it proves that Jesus is more than just the master. What does verse 8 tell us? He says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That word Lord is what's used in the Old Testament for God. That word Lord points to us that Peter now understands Jesus a whole lot more, a whole lot bigger than what he thought. He's not just the master. He is God. And in the presence of this holy one, Peter falls at his knees. This catch of fish was a grace-filled miracle for these fishermen. It proved that Jesus was God himself because only God could fill the nets in the daylight. And now Simon Peter sees Jesus as the gracious Lord God who abundantly blessed and provided for Peter and his fellow fishermen, even though they were undeserving sinners, they didn't deserve this grace. But God blessed anyway. It was grace that overturned Peter's small view of Jesus and showed that Simon Peter, he was a sinful man. It showed him who he really was. An unworthy sinner who did not deserve to be in the presence of the Lord. But it also showed who the Lord is. The grace of our Lord Jesus. Who caused Peter by that grace to be poor in spirit. To fall to his knees before Jesus. He rightly viewed himself as unworthy to be in Jesus presence. And the grace of our Lord Jesus drew Peter to the best place for any disciple. Any one of us who calls himself a disciple of Jesus Christ, who believes in Jesus. This is the best place for any of us to be. The place of true humility. Recognizing who we are in the presence of who he is. But grace doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 9 and 10 records the astonishment of Peter and everyone else and all these other fishermen who've never seen anything like this before. And at the end of verse 10, look at what Luke records. This amazing thing that Jesus says to Peter. Remember, he's feeling low. He's feeling humbled. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. You imagine in the presence of the Holy One, 
in the presence of the Lord God. And he says to Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men, people. Jesus is reassuring Peter that he is to be used, that he will be useful. Because sinful people that have been humbled by grace are used by the Lord Jesus to draw others to him. Let me say that again. Sinful people, when you've been humbled by God's grace, you will be used by God to draw other people to him. How do you see Jesus now? His grace-filled miracle proved that he is the Lord. And it brought Peter to the place of true humility. And that's what grace does for the sinner. It shows us the greatness of our Lord and also humbles us so that we fall at his feet. Now, quite often in our day, we don't like to consider ourselves sinful, right? It's just not the thing done. We have Facebook, we have all kinds of social media, and you want likes and thumbs up and approval and positive things said about us. We don't like to think of ourselves as sinners. And we're comfortable of thinking of Jesus as our master who does us favors. And we return by return the favor by being obedient occasionally once in a while. Our small view of Jesus, though, it really does wrongly only see Jesus as a matter of doing favors for him. It's such a small view of Jesus to think that somehow our obedience is what gets us those blessings, what earns favor from him. Our small view of Jesus allows us to be comfortable with sin in his presence. Our small view of Jesus makes light of his holiness, of how great he really is. And while it may feel safe to think of Jesus as just your buddy, just your pal, just your master, the truth is it robs the Lord Jesus of his rightful place in our lives as the Lord, God. It allows us to be comfortable with sin Instead of turning away from sin and repenting and turning away from those things that displease him and turning to him and being obedient. And we wrongly think of our obedience in that way. That it's just somehow an exchange of favors with God. When we think and live in that way, we fail to be humbled by grace. By the grace of our Lord Jesus. And that hinders us. It hinders us from being an effective witness of his grace to those around us. Because if we've not received that grace, if we don't live by that grace, then how are we going to share that grace with other people? But here's the astounding thing. Jesus never blesses us first because we do a favor for him. He blesses us first. He gives us his grace first before we do anything for him. 
His gracious and abundant blessing shows us who we really are and who he really is. And it humbles us. It should humble us. Christian, brother and sister, we should be the most humble people on earth. Because we know who we are, but we know greater who our God is. And how gracious he has been to us. And out of that grace, we can witness to others of our great Savior, the Lord Jesus. How do you see Jesus? Maybe tonight you've come here and you're just thinking, especially after seeing what Peter's done. You're thinking, man, I have failed. I've stuffed it so many times. And maybe you begin to wonder, maybe this is the first time you've heard things like this. And you think, does Jesus, is he really that gracious? Can he really still love somebody like me? Will he not just stop being gracious because I've really messed up so many times? I want you to turn to John 21. So in your Bibles, turn to John 21. And I want you to look at a passage of scripture. This is the end of the gospel of John. So it's all through the life of Jesus. Jesus has risen from the dead at this point in the story. And so the disciples have learned from Jesus from three, for three years. And then before the, before his crucifixion, remember all the disciples abandon him. Peter denies him three times, even the last time with curses. So he really, really denied Jesus. And here we have the story from John 21. Jesus revealing himself again to the disciples in verse 1. I'm just going to sketch the story really quickly. And Simon Peter and the other fishermen, they're sitting on the shore and, uh, and they're just kind of like, well, I think it's time just to go back to fishing. Peter says, I'm going to go back out and fish. The other disciples that were fishermen decided to go with him. So they're out and they labor all night and they catch nothing. That's what we see in verse three. And then verse four, Jesus calls to them from the shore, but they don't recognize it's Jesus. He says to them, children, did you catch anything? They said, no. He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. So they cast it on the right side of the boat and they catch so many fish. The net is just full of fish as though almost to break. The disciple whom Jesus loved, probably John, says to Peter, it's the Lord. Peter's so excited, he puts on his cloak and he jumps in the water and he's trying to swim to shore as fast as he can to get to Jesus. And by the time all the disciples make it to the shore, Jesus is standing on the shore. He's got a fire going. He's got fish on the, on the, on the fire, like a barbecue, right? Or something like that. And he's got bread there. And he says, give me the, give me the fish from your catch. And he's going to cook that. And then he eats with the disciples. Jesus graciously gives them the catch. Grace. Jesus cooks breakfast for them. More grace. Jesus eats with them. More grace. Peter at the end of this chapter is restored by Jesus after denying him three times. More grace. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace for these men who don't deserve it. 
They've denied him. They've abandoned him. Grace upon grace upon grace. Brothers and sisters, our sin is great. But his grace is more. How do you see Jesus? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you give grace upon grace in each of our lives. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Christ, who is our Redeemer, the Holy One, who died on the cross for our sin in our place, who lived the life that we could not live. And then thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, who lives with us, so that we might know every day your grace renewed, every morning your mercy, your love, your joy in our hearts. Thank you. Holy God, for dealing with us by grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.